be here. It's funny that uh, Jeff talks about, uh, you know, when I was here, and I'm like, yeah, that was a while ago. I had a head full of hair, and now I'm a grandpa, and, but uh, still doing, doing ministry, so it's good to be here, and I'm glad to be able to share with you about the work of Global Partners and Hope and the work that we're doing across the globe. And um, uh, this morning, I want to focus on Matthew 28, the Great Commission, and that's the passage that we're going to look at this morning. And, um, and so uh, as we get into that, I'll, I'll just read the passage and the text that I'm focusing on. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw Him, they, were, uh, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing Him in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very ends of the age. And that's the text I'd like for us to focus on this morning. It is known as a Great Commission text. Many people have never um, understood that. In fact, they say that about 25% of those who attend church actually know what that means or the origins of what that means. But essentially, the purpose of that text is it challenges us as believers to go and to reach nations. And so that's part of the mission of this church here and part of the mission of a lot of churches across, across our nation, across the globe. And so as, as an organization that focuses on that, I'm happy to share with you what God is doing and how God is, is um, working through all of these. And I'd like to invite Silas up. Silas is an intern with us, and uh, we as an organization... I love to uh, not only make disciples, but bring, bring um, uh, other people in to uh, this, this endeavor. And so I'm, I'm inviting Silas to share his own testimony. I met Silas um, uh, probably, uh, well, I knew when you were maybe little. And then, um, uh, and, th- and then I found out he was working as an engineer for uh, Union Pacific in Omaha. And as we were talking, he has a, a very talented background, but also a passion for kingdom work. And so he really approached me and he said, you know, I, I look at different ministry opportunities. And I don't know where I fit. But then as we were talking with the work that we're doing in different parts of the world, he said, maybe there's a fit for me here. And I said, there probably is. So I'm very glad we actually have three other interns and uh, they're actually on their way to Africa right now. They're stuck in France right now. So you can be praying for them. Uh, they're waiting for a flight. Their flight was supposed to leave at 440. Uh, Paris time and it's not going to leave till about 11 at night and they'll get in about 2.30 in the morning. So that's just part of the, the nature of what we do. But Silas was supposed to go on that, but because he's not there, he's glad to be here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'll let you share. Okay, great. Well, like Ian said, uh, my name is Silas Perry. Um, I'm from Omaha. Let me just say, actually, I still have my head of hair, so we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how long it lasts. Um, <laughs> anyway, I just want to say I'm really uh, thankful to be here um, with everyone and thankful to Ian for inviting me along and for really giving me a chance to uh, get into ministry, which is my biggest passion. Uh, anyway, so I was born in Illinois uh, when I was zero, um, <laughs> and then we moved to Omaha when I was about six because my dad's a pastor and he got a job in Omaha, um, and then I've been there ever since. I've got two siblings. Um, 
And growing up with them has always been fun, but a little difficult because they are pretty uh, intense in how they pursue life. So my brother's a PhD of aerospace engineering, and my sister's a uh, ballerina for San Diego Ballet. So they both kind of took their passion and just grew up it all the way. Uh, so growing up was a little bit like uh, chasing um, tails, you know, trying to, trying to make my mark in the family too. Um, but anyway, so they're both super sec successful in their careers. Uh, and I, I spent a lot of my time just wanting my, my mom and dad to see me the same way. Uh, just to you know, look at little Silas, the youngest, and be like, you know what, he can do it too. He, he's, he's making a difference. And so um, I spent a lot of high school and time in high school. I was, I was homeschooled until then. But when I got to public high school, I really tried to you know, pursue grades a ton. And um, that's... Uh, kind of where high school took me, just wanted to be good at um, smart things. And so uh, that summer after high school ended, I, I decided, you know what, like I could take the summer to try to do some cool internship thing or go to a college and visit it to try to further my engineering um, desires. But something in me was just like, that's not really me um, <laughs> being just an engineer. And so I decided to go to a camp and be a counselor that summer. Um, and this is 2020, right after I graduated high school. Uh, and so I kind of did that as, you know, what the heck, I feel God's kind of calling me towards ministry. And so this is an easy way for me to see if that's something that I might be good at or that God might be calling me to. And that summer, I, we spent the whole summer trying to keep kids from getting COVID and teaching them about Jesus. And it was hectic and crazy, um, but it was the best time of my life and so much more fulfilling than trying to chase my sibling success or trying to, trying to be a really good engineer. And uh, <laughs> I'm actually glad I listened to, to God for more than just uh, what he showed me about my own passion that summer. I also met my wife, Haley, who's sitting over there um, at camp, and she was working there as well, so God was kind of working behind the scenes. Um, but after that summer, I decided like I still have this desire to be an engineer as well, so I just I'm I'm still in school now, but I decided to go ahead and start my computer engineering degree in University of Nebraska Lincoln. It has an Omaha campus, so I'm still in Omaha, um, which makes it easy to intern for Ian. Um, and you know I, I did that because I'd always been decent at math and science, um, but in college so far I've I've discovered that while engineering might be about my trade. I have about 1% of the passion for it that I have for ministry and for people and for the Great Commission um, and sharing the, sharing the gospel wherever I can. And so the last few months have really been a journey for Haley and I trying to figure out like how do we shift our life's course to pursuing the gospel and furthering its message first and then our own ambitions second or maybe not at all. Um, and so, you know, I have these two really different worlds like traditionally you have engineering which is like way over there and then ministry is like way over there and so i was wondering how is god going to like merge these two together and so my dad and ian had known each other and set up a meeting for me to talk to ian and so i think global partners is kind of where god's merging that together and so haley's got a big passion for children and for teaching them about jesus and just being a christ-like person towards them um, and I have a big passion for people and helping them however I can. And so I think God is calling us towards Global Partners and Hope and towards work or maybe overseas eventually. Um, and I don't know exactly how that will look, but uh, it's, been, it's been a fun ride the last few months just 
joining Ian's team and seeing the work he does and uh, really being able to be a part of that is an honor. And so um, those God-given passions I have, I hope to use them in Haley's as well to further his great commission. And so I'll, I'll leave it off really at that and let Ian go into his message on the great commission and why that's so important. So all right. Thank you. All. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. It's uh, so encouraging to uh, see people think about how they can leverage their time, talents, and treasures for the kingdom. And that's really essentially the, the aspect of, of the Great Commission. So let's look at this text a little bit more in depth. There's some questions that come out of this text that are quite, quite interesting. Um, and I want to look at some of these questions. I was at a family gathering a few months ago, and I have a, a family member, Nova Lee. Some of you might know her who runs around here. And Nova Lee came up to me uh, during one of our family gatherings, and she grabbed me. She said, Uncle Ian, I got a question for you. And I said, okay. And then she kind of like pulled me off to the side. She says, actually, I got a lot of questions for you. And so then I knew that we would be there for a while. And I knew that essentially she just wanted someone to kind of hang out with her and, and pay attention to her. And so um, when I look at this text, I think about that in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. There's times when we look at the Scripture and we're like, Father, I've got some questions for you. Actually, Father, I've got a lot of questions for you. And so um, I want to address some of these questions as we look at this. Um, we know that the passage talks about certain words like making disciples and going to all nations. And, and so the question that comes out of this first uh, text, the first question is, what does it mean to make a disciple? And I know that there are a lot of churches that really wrestle with this. What does it mean to make a disciple? And when you think of that term, it's kind of an older term. It's not something that you're going to use in a contemporary setting. You're not going to go to the workplace and have your boss say to a new employee, we're going to make a disciple out of this employee. You know, it's, it's an older term, and it's, it's actually a term that would refer to like a, a pupil, or in this context, in, in the original context, it's really uh, making someone to be a follower of Jesus. And that's, that's the intent of that text, that Jesus is saying, to those disciples go and make disciples make people uh, followers of Jesus and he says all authority has been given to me and I want you to to teach them everything that I've commanded you so he's telling them I want you to to take what I've told you and model it out teach them to the people around them and then he talks about having them baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit so he's saying share the good news to the people around you to the point where they make Jesus priority number one in their life and then have that multiply, have that go out. But, you know, there's, there's more to that text than, um, than just the idea of just kind of go and make disciples, just go make followers. What does that mean, and what's the complexity of that? How does that really play out? So, in my mind, I went back to the original aspect of when Jesus started His ministry. So, if you go back to Matthew 4 you see the start of Jesus' ministry where He launches His ministry. In fact, in that passage, um, he goes, and there's a quote from Isaiah out of Isaiah 9, where um, it says, there's a light dawning unto the nations. And so it's a real distinct point in Jesus' life. He's been baptized by John, and now he's starting his earthly ministry. He's starting to model that. And so in Matthew 4, it says that he uh, went through towns and villages 
proclaiming the good news and healing the sick. So there's two things that are going on there. And it's interesting when you look at that, is that when Jesus started his ministry, he started a ministry where there was compassion, there was care, there was concern for the people around him. And so some people look at that text and say, well, you know, Jesus was healing the sick, and the purpose of that was he was proving his divinity. So in a way, it was like a magic show. And I would say, no, it's not. It wasn't a magic show. It wasn't Jesus going, here, watch this, and then you'll know I'm the Son of God. What he was doing was he was demonstrating who God was in a very real way. The incarnate God, flesh, showing care and compassion. And later it says in Matthew 9 that it said he looked upon the crowds with compassion. So Jesus was healing the sick. Why was he healing the sick? Because he cared about them, just like he cares about us, that he's involved in our lives. He isn't distant. God isn't removed from our lives in a way that just says, I care about his eternity for you. No, God also cares about the things that we're going through daily. And Jesus was demonstrating that. So there was not a dichotomy there. There was these two things happening. One, care, compassion, and then salvation being proclaimed. So it's interesting that he starts his ministry with that example, and he really demonstrates to us that that's what making disciples is about. That God is a compassionate God, caring and providing hope, help, and salvation to those who are around. And in the text of Matthew 28, if we go back to that, he says, go and make disciples. And in the literal sense, he's saying that we're making disciples as we're going. So it's, it's this continuum of going and the continuum of making disciples. And so the question is, where are we going? So that's the second question. So the idea is, what does it mean to make a disciple? It's a person who follows Jesus. We're modeling it. We're sharing compassion. We're sharing care to those around us. And then we're sharing the good news. But also, um, we're going, and where are we going? Well, the second question is to all nations. So what does that mean? What does it mean to go to all nations? Jesus is calling these people to go outside of their comfort zone, is what he's doing. We as humans love to be around people who look like us, who talk like us, who think like us. Sociologists call it homogeneous units. We naturally gravitate towards that. But the danger of that is that we become very ethnocentric. We like to hang around with people who look like us, talk like us, think like us, see life like us. That's our natural tendency. Jesus challenges us to go outside of our comfort zone, to go to people who don't look like us, who don't talk like us, who don't think like us. And he challenges us to go out and love the world like he loves the world, the entire world. And he says that it's so important for us to do that, to go out there to all nations, he says. He commands us, his final words. It's the Great Commission. It's not the Great Suggestion. It's the Great Commission. He's saying, go and do this. Go out to all nations. Don't become ethnocentric. Don't become self-focused. Go out there and go and meet people and get involved with people's lives that are not like you. And why? Because he loves. God loves the nations. He loves different people. He loves different people groups. He loves different languages, tribes. And that's why he's saying that. We know that today in our world there are 7.9 billion people that live on this planet as of June 2022. We know that there are 195 countries that exist in this world today. There's estimated 24,000 people that are on our, on our uh, people groups that live on our planet. People groups are... Groups like the Fulani that live in 
uh, northern Africa near Mali and they're nomadic people. There are people like the, um, the Hmong people who live in Laotia and Cambodia and there's, there's about 24,000 of those people groups all over. And they're not restricted by boundaries or by um, uh, borders, but they are just people group that um, have identifications. And then there's about a 7,100 languages spoken. And then there's dialects that come along with that. And so God loves those people. He loves the tribes. He loves the cultures. He loves our world, and He loves the people that He's created. And Jesus says to these, He says, I want you to go out to those people. I want you to be concerned about those people, and I want you to love them, and I want you to care for them, and I want you to teach them everything I've taught you, and I want you to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is saying, essentially, this is God's plan A for the world. This is God's plan A for the world. It is his church. It is the people in his church. And so the question would be, well, what's God's plan B? And the, the, the reality is, there's no plan B. <laughs> and that's kind of scary, isn't it? Like, the, there's only one plan. And this is the plan in Matthew 28. There is no plan B. So think about that statement for a minute. Jesus is speaking to us about an international endeavor. So think about if you have a company and you say, okay, we're going to go global, we're going to scale this company out, it's a lot of work. You'd have to call in cultural experts, you'd have to call in your HR people, you'd have to do analytics, you would have to start looking at trade agreements, you would do all this stuff and you would start to put in all these complex kind of systems and process. And essentially Jesus is saying to these individuals, to his church, go and scale this out globally. And they must have looked at each other and thought, well, what? Like, what are you talking about? Us? And so it's kind of an interesting thing. And so the question is, well, who's he speaking to? Like, is it the professionals? Is it pastors or missionaries? Or those who have been trained? I mean, those are the ones that really should be responsible to this text, right? That's who he's talking to. Well, if you look at the text, he's speaking to those who are followers of Jesus. So yes, missionaries and pastors have a calling and a specific training, but essentially it's, it's addressing every one of us. It's talking to every one of us in that sense. And so that's the third question, who is it addressing? It actually is a statement that addresses to everyone who places their faith in Christ, that we have a responsibility to go and to send and to be involved, to again leverage our time, talents, and treasures in different ways and in creative ways for the kingdom. And to think about doing that. So we are God's plan A for the world. We are the ones uh, who are going to go out to our community and communicate this message of salvation to the world. And we're going to do it in caring, compassionate ways. And we are the answer to the world. That seems pretty messed up, doesn't it? When we look at ourselves. Think about what's happening in our world today, okay? And I want you to put your hand on the person next to you and look at them and say, you are the solution to the world's problems today. Now, I want you to do it a little bit more convictingly and convincingly. Because that's essentially what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you are the solution to the world's problems today. And when you think of what's going on in our world today, it's a pretty, pretty heavy thing. But that was the, the message to those disciples. And we read later on in Acts 1.8, he says, I want you to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. 
and to bring this solution of hope and salvation to the world. So then the question is, so how, how, how did they do? How did they do? Well, they did pretty good. We're here because of what they did, right? We exist because they went out to the world. They went past Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and they went out to Rome, and we read the history of the church, and it spread, and it continued to go. And in spite of the church's failures, in spite of religion, and all these other things that people look at in history, the gospel continued to advance. People continue to come to Christ. And so we keep seeing that happen. And then we ask ourselves the question, how are we doing today? You know, how is the gospel spreading today? Well, there's a, a study that's put out by Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary on global um, Christianity. And uh, we know that Christianity continues to spread. We know that the uh, population growth uh, today is about, um, about 1.05, but Christianity is growing at about 1.27. So Christianity, the message of the gospel, grows beyond the population growth, which is encouraging. Um, we know that there's still much to be done. Interestingly enough, in that study, they also said that atheism has not grown since the 70s, actually declined since the 70s. So that's kind of interesting, but that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, here you have a message of, well, there's no hope, there's no God. And you look at all the problems that are happening in the world, and you say, here's your message, there's no hope, there's no God. Or, there is a God, and there is hope. So that, that's a better message, right? And so that's why atheism continues to decline, not too much of a surprise. And we know that they are projecting that Christianity will continue to grow, that the message will continue to grow. And it grows because of God's grace and because of the work of the Holy Spirit. And so in spite of, again, the problems that we see and the problems that we hear, we know that Christianity continues to spread and it continues to be shared. So we are all called into this timeless truth. And what does it look like practically? It looks like churches like Dewitt Evangelical Free Church. It looks like this church that continues to commit to sharing the gospel by having intentional conversations with people around us, either at work or across the street or our neighbors. It happens because of uh, care and compassion that's shown in this city and in this nation by churches like Dewitt Evangelical Free. But it also spreads because of a commitment to missions and to going to all nations and supporting that and going and sending and training and discipling uh, kids and youth and adults. And it, it happens across the globe. And it goes not only, again, to a city and to a nation, but it goes across to the uttermost parts of the earth. And what are the uttermost parts of the earth? Well, missiologists call these uttermost parts of the earth the unreached people groups of the world or what is called the uh, 1040 window. And it's a section that has been defined for, for several years as a part of the world that is the most unreached, meaning uh, the people that live in that part of the world do not have access to a church or to community believers. They cannot walk, bike, ride a donkey uh, in, in close proximity to having a church. So for us as an organization, Global Partners in Hope, we are committed to that section of, of the world. So we're going to what's called the unreached people group. So we have been working for the last 16 years in places like West Africa, in Mali, West Africa, in a place uh, called the Baco region. It's in the Sahara area or the Sahel area. And uh, you go out into those parts of the world and there are, there's nothing. 
There's no running water. There's no electricity. Um, there are, uh, there's no churches. And there hasn't been churches for, for centuries. There's never been a church in these communities. And so we go out there, we'll put in a water well, and then we'll put in a, a health center that focuses on maternal and pediatric care. And in a country like Mali, where it's 98% Muslim, and there's some history of that, and there's been no form of Christianity, they've never heard the name of Jesus, we go in there, and in a year later, not only is there water, and there's a maternal care, and we've reduced the, the uh, uh, maternal death rate, and we've increased the infant survival rate, but we've also been able to establish churches there. And why is that? Because all of a sudden people go, I want to hear what you have to say because you care about us. And so it opens up conversations for the gospel in ways that never happened. And so we've seen almost what would be like out of the book of Acts, where we've been in, in communities, I've seen communities where we walked in, there were no Christians at all, none. And it might be a community of 2,000 people. And a year later, now they have a church of 250 people. And the national church, the, the Malian pastors go in. And so we continue to spread this vision throughout West Africa. So I, it's, it's amazing to see. And it's, it's exciting to see this spread like this. And so we're excited that you're a part of this and that you're involved through your support through Global Partners and Hope to be a part of reaching a part of the world. That you're reaching people that you probably never will ever meet, <laughs> but someday you might in heaven. And you're able to transform not only individual lives, but uh, villages and entire regions. There are now over 300,000 people in that Baco region alone that have access to the gospel now and then we're going into togo and it's spreading out like that where we know wherever we we put a a, a health center or water well there'll be churches and there'll be communities of believers and kids and parents and and all of that that um all of a sudden go i never heard about jesus now i know because i saw him through your acts and through your interactions and so i'd like to have you turn your attention to the screen and you can visually see a little bit of what I'd like for all of you to go to Africa with me someday, yeah, but that's probably not going to happen. But if you can see the visual of what that's like. Thousands of miles away, out of sight and out of mind. Clouded by doubts and desperation. Hope is distant. Separated by oceans of distance. Thousands of miles away, out of sight and out of mind. Clouded by doubts and desperation. Separated by oceans of distance. N'ayez pas peur de donner, car ce que vous recevez est inimaginable. Jour. Les ressources de celui qui n'ont pas de ce qu'il fait. N'ayez pas peur de donner, car ce que vous recevez est inimaginable. Jour. Imagine starting your day. You start your day, you brush your teeth, you use two gallons of water, you flush the toilet, you use four gallons, you take a shower, it's 12 to 20 gallons. You go downstairs or you go to your kitchen, you're going to make a cup of coffee or some tea. Imagine starting your day. There. You start you're your day, you start the dishwasher, or maybe you're going to start the washing machine. Water, you flush the Before toilet, you even leave the house, gallons. you've used literally hundreds of gallons of water. Now imagine living in a place where you don't have access to clean water. You don't have ability to do all those things that you like to do, or you have to go a kilometer or a mile or two miles to even get a five-gallon bucket of water. Imagine what life would be like without clean water. Water is life. Now imagine 
having to go to get water in a, in a cattle pond, and you've got all these problems that are along with that. You've got waterborne diseases like typhoid or dysentery that you're fighting constantly. You're constantly sick. When we put a water well in Africa, it changes the life of that community. It changes the life of that region. It changes the life of generations to come. That's why we say water is life. I had a health issue this week. I've got a clot in my, below my knee, a DVT in my, my knee. I was able to get medicine to anticoagulate me. But I can say that while driving out here, 12 kilometers down a hard to pass road, really remote and as I came back Scott even asked me he said how are you doing Jeff and it was like a prophetic question for me because I was in the back of this bus not doing well I'm like we are getting further and further away from a center that could help me with the pulmonary embolism if you'd have a PE out here Ian and I just talked about it I'm toast there's a cemetery right around the corner, so that's a convenience, but there's no medical services. You can put a, put a church here and you can start a church here and you can have pastors here and you can have a growing community of disciples here. Franchement, c'est un plaisir. Parce que quand on va euh, essayer de, de, de faire étendre le royaume de Dieu dans ce village, beaucoup de mentalités vont changer. Beaucoup de personnes vont quand même avoir Jésus dans leur vie. Et ce qui amènera une modification totale de cette euh, localité. Yeah, he said, that, I mean, it's going to change this entire community. It's going to, a lot of people are now all of a sudden going to be exposed to who God is who his son Jesus Christ is, and as a result, it's gonna transform this, this community and the lives of literally hundreds. Our vision is to put in these health centers all over West Africa not only in Togo, but in Benin and Ivory Coast and all throughout West Africa, these parts of rural Africa that have no access to clean water and no maternal or pediatric care. Our vision is that moms and babies will not die, but will thrive in generations to come. So in partnership with Global Partners, you as a church are able to have an impact in the lives of women and children across this globe, specifically in this part of West Africa. And so um, I am thankful for your partnership, and I'm thankful that we're a part of the Commission and that we're able to share not only compassion but the good news. And we're able to model that.
And so um, I would encourage you to continue on in this work because it is making a difference that we're able to not only um, share good deeds but also good words to those around us in these parts of the world that are quite desperate. And so I thank you for that and I thank you that you're part of not only sharing the gospel here in this community in very tangible ways but also in this country and then across the globe to the the farthest parts of the world. So thank you. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your love for us. We're thankful for your grace in our life and for the, the privilege that we have to be a part of this, to be a part of your work. And we pray that you would continue to open doors, um, not only in this community, but across our nation and to these far reaches of the world, Lord. And we, we thank you again in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. I didn't ask these people if I could do this beforehand, so just shake your head no and don't come up if, if you don't want to. But Gary is one of our members of our prayer ministry team. If you wouldn't mind coming up as well, and Brian, one of our elders. And I'm going to ask Silas and Haley if you'd join us as well. Uh, we've been going through the book of Hebrews. And uh, what a beautiful discovery just to see how Jesus has opened the